Well, good morning, guys, and welcome to Alpine. It's great to have you here this morning. Thank you so much for choosing to be here and choosing to worship with us. Uh, and if it happens to be your first time here, thanks for checking us out. We hope that you feel welcome today, and, and my hope is that we're able to help you pursue God today. My name is John Bellis. I'm the lead pastor here at Alpine Logan, and if we've never had a chance to meet, I would love it if you would just come up and say hi afterwards and kind of help me put a face with the name. That would be great. Uh, I'm excited as we dig into week nine of our sermon series called The Pursuit. Now, unfortunately, I don't have time to go back and recap kind of everything that we've covered over the last nine weeks, but I want to remind you, you can always go to pursuegod.org AC for Alpine Church. And on that, you will see uh, all of this entire series. You can go back and check up on it. Now, the first six weeks that we went through this series, we got to the first arrow in that full circle pursuit of God image that we use all the time here at Alpine, and that's trusting Jesus. See, if, Oh, good, we got the clicker working. Man, I just tested it before you guys came in, and it worked fine, and now it's giving me fits, so that's just how it is. <laughs> so that first six weeks was all about getting to that first arrow, which is trust Jesus. And then the last two weeks and today, we're talking about how we live a life that honors God. And then next week, we're going to transition into the last arrow, which is making disciples, or another way to say that is just helping others. Now, before we get too deep into today's message, I want to start by just kind of taking a little survey. How many of you guys do something on a fairly regular basis that you know is good for you, even if you don't enjoy it very much? Got, okay, we got any runners in here? I know you can raise your hand, because even people who say they like to run, when I look at you running, you don't look like you're enjoying it. Like, you have this look on your face like you are in pain or you just stepped in something you didn't want to step in, right? But, but we all do things that we know are good for us, even if maybe we don't really enjoy them. I mean, maybe it's trying to get in those eight glasses of water a day. Maybe it's hitting the gym. Maybe if you're a student, it's studying a certain amount of hours every day. Or maybe it's practicing a musical instrument. And all those things can be good. And today we're going to talk about spiritual habits, Specifically, we're going to talk about the big five spiritual habits that really every Christian should develop in their life. Now, this list isn't exhaustive. There are certainly more than five habits we should have as followers of Christ, but I really believe these are foundational to living a life that honors God and to helping us grow closer to Him. So the first question you might ask is, well, why? Why should we develop spiritual habits. Well, the Apostle Paul gives us one reason in 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. It promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. There, there's nothing wrong with developing good physical habits. In fact, the Bible says it's good. Physical training is good, but spiritual habits or training for godliness are much better. And the reason they're much better is they provide not only benefits in this life, but in the life to come. It's really like the best of both worlds. And the thing that's really cool about spiritual habits is not only are they good for you, but if you approach them with the right mindset, they actually bring joy into your life as you're doing them. It would kind of be like if broccoli tasted like pepperoni pizza. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like it'd be good for you and it would bring you joy? Or if doing 100 burpees felt like sitting in a hot tub, I'd do burpees every day, man. I would be all on it, right? Because it would be good for you and brings you joy, and that's what these spiritual habits can do in our lives. 
So let's go ahead and dig into this first spiritual habit, and it is the habit of prayer. So make a habit of talking to God, building a relationship with Him like any other person. Set some time apart for focused prayer daily, but also leave room for spontaneous prayer. And remember that prayer is about aligning your will with God's, not the other way around. And we're going to kind of break this down into three different sections for this point. But communication is an important part of any relationship. What kind of marriage would I have if I never talked with my wife? What kind of relationship would you have with your kids if you never talked to them? And what if when you did talk to them, the only thing you ever did was ask for things? Does that sound like your prayer life sometimes? The only time you come before the Lord is when you're presenting a list of things you're wanting Him to do for you. We don't do that with anybody else. That's not how we talk any other relationship that we have, but so often we do that with God. Now, you don't have to make it complicated. You don't have to make it formulaic. It's just communicating with someone. It is helpful for me to kind of pray with a pattern. Often I'll pray through the acronym PRAY. The P stands for praise, the R stands for repentance, the A stands for asking, and the Y stands for yield. I don't use that every time. Again, it's not about a formula, but it is helpful for me to start out my time in prayer with praise and thanksgiving. It just helps me to get in the right mindset to focus on all the things I have to be thankful for and and to praise God for who He is and His character. The other thing that it does is it, it gets my heart in the right place that I recognize How awesome it is that God doesn't just put up with me when I pray to Him. God actually looks forward to me coming to Him and communicating with Him. He's not just pretending to politely listen as I lay my heart before Him, but actually He desires for me to come before Him in prayer. That should blow our minds that the God of the universe looks forward to you and I coming to Him on an individual basis and talking with Him. Now, the second part of that is it says, set time apart for focused prayer daily, but also leave room for spontaneous prayer. So the reality is, guys, we need to get it on the calendar. If you want to make it a habit, you need to schedule it. Now, if you're not used to praying on a regular basis, start small. Start with five minutes a day. If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're a night owl, do it later in the day, but schedule time. And then also leave time throughout your day to have communication with God. You know, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 to pray without ceasing. I don't think Paul is saying that you and I have to pray 24 hours a day. But I do think Paul is saying that the life of a follower of Jesus Christ should be marked by ongoing communication with God throughout the day. We should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading throughout the day. We should be asking the Holy Spirit to put people in our path that need to hear about Jesus We should be seeking his guidance, seeking his wisdom. Then the other part of that verse in 1 Thessalonians says to give thanks in all circumstances. What a great way to just make a habit of time and prayer with God is to just thank him. Thank him for all the things that happen on a daily basis where he blesses you. If you hit all the green lights on the way to church this morning, did you thank him? That's a miracle in Logan nowadays, even on a Sunday. If you go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and they actually get your order right, do you pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the miracle that that is, right? So one thing I would just challenge you to do this week is pick a day where you're intentional about being thankful throughout the day. 
The other thing I want to mention on this point is that prayer is about aligning our will with God's, not the other way around. You know, Jesus modeled this in a very powerful way in John 14, or excuse me, Mark 14, verse 36. Jesus is praying. He says, Abba, Father, Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. I can assure you when Jesus presented this request to God the Father, this was no half-hearted request. There was only one thing in the world Jesus wanted more than to not have to drink that cup of suffering, and that was to do the will of the Father. That should be instructive for us as we present our requests to God. We don't have to do it half-heartedly. We can do it with fervor. We can be honest about how bad we long for something or how much we want God to do something. Look at the honesty and and the emotion in so many of the prayers in the book of Psalms. But after we do that, after we lift up to God with all of our heart, the desires of our heart, then we hold them loosely. And we say, God, I can trust you. I want your will to be done, not mine. This is what I want, but more than that, I want your will to be done because I know you are good and I know I can trust you. The other thing that I do to try and help me come in line with God during my prayer time is I just ask him to help me see as he sees because you and I don't see things the way God does. The Bible says his thoughts are above our thoughts, his ways are above my ways. And so I ask God, God, help me to see things the way that you do because as I see things the way God sees, I'm going to do things the way God does. My life's going to become more in line with what he wants for me. The second important habit that we all should develop is Bible study. Read the Word devotionally every day and set aside special times for a deeper dive. If you're new to the Bible, start with the book of John. Don't just read the Bible for head knowledge, but do it to meet Jesus and change your life. So again, if you're not doing this now, start small. Schedule five minutes a day, ten minutes a day to be in the Word of God because that's our source of truth. There's so much misinformation out there, so much that's thrown at us on a daily basis that we have to get grounded in the truth, in the revealed Word of God. Our core value, number one, at Alpine Church is we look to God and His Word in all that we do. Every decision we make is based on what does God's Word say about it. In Romans 12, too, Paul is talking and he, he warns us about being conformed to the pattern of this world. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the original Greek word that's translated conformed there, the word picture behind that word is a potter molding clay. So Paul's saying there is constant pressure on you from all sides from the world because it wants you to think and speak and act the way that it does. And if you don't do something to combat that, that's what will happen. That's the default. You'll gradually just think and speak and act more and more like the world. Paul says instead, renew your mind. Renew your mind by being in the Word of God. I know it can be intimidating. Some of you might be like me and you don't like to read very much. I know that sounds blasphemous as a pastor, but I don't like to read. I love to be in God's Word, but I don't like to read in general. So again, don't approach it with something that you have to do. Don't approach it as just a box to check. Approach it through the reality that every time you open your Bible, you get to hear from God. 
We talked about prayer a second ago, and one of the elements of prayer is listening. I just confess there are lots of times when I'm praying that I don't feel like I hear from God. But every single time I open His Word, I hear from God. Every single time I open His Word, He speaks to me. His Word is alive and active. So let's be in the Word. Again, the second part of that point is that if you're new to the Bible, maybe start with the book of John. If you're new, I probably wouldn't recommend starting in Genesis and reading all the way through because you will get to Leviticus and probably dive out. And if you get through Leviticus and you got numbers, which is even worse. So start in the New Testament. And, And the reason I recommend the book of John, the whole Bible is about Jesus. But John really zeroes in on who Jesus is and what he came to do. In fact, we read this from Jesus in John chapter 5. Jesus is talking, and he says, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. See, we don't want to read it for just head knowledge. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had all the head knowledge in the world about the Scriptures, but they didn't recognize the Scriptures pointed to him. So when you and I read the Bible, we read it for transformation. We read it to meet Jesus. You know, when I'm doing my devotional readings each day, there are are four questions I like to ask myself about the passage that just really helps me to kind of see beyond just the words on the page. The first question I like to ask is, does this passage teach me anything about the character of God? Do I learn more about who God is through this passage? The second question I'll ask is, does this passage teach me anything about my character? Is there anything that I need to recognize about myself in this passage? The third question I like to ask is, is there a command I need to obey here? Is there something God is asking me to do? And then lastly, is there a promise I can claim? Is there something on here that I can claim when things get tough? Again, you don't have to be formulaic about that. You know, read it how you want to read it, but those help me to just go beyond the words on the page. And I think that as we do that, we'll discover, like the psalmist did, that God's Word is sweeter than honey, and it brings life to our soul. All right, spiritual habit number three is connection. Christianity is a team sport, and you can't honor God in isolation. Connect to God's people in three environments. Large, which would be like this morning. Medium, a small group or small. And then individual, mentoring. And then the last part of this point is identify your spiritual gifts and start using them for the benefit of the church. So you and I were created for connection. That there's just something at our very core. It's part of being created in the image of God because God is a relational God. That you and I are created for connection. We cannot live a life that honors God in isolation. We can't do it. Think about all the one another's that are in Scripture. Love one another. Serve one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. Build up one another. And on and on and on. You can't one another by yourself. Now the Bible teaches us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And when Jesus was asked, who's your neighbor? His response was basically, it's everybody, right? It's those who are near, those who are far, it's your friends, it's your enemies, it's believers, it's unbelievers. But most of these one another passages in Scripture are talking specifically about our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's how our relationships should look within the church. This is how we should connect with one another. 
And so here at Alpine, we think there are kind of three environments that you can do that. There's large group, which is what we do here on Sunday mornings, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that so many of you are faithful and you attend week after week after week and worship together. Now, again, we don't have to be legalistic about that. You know, you can go on vacation with your family and miss a Sunday in church. That is not the end of the world. But I'm so glad that you're here on a regular basis, fellowshipping and learning and and, and encouraging one another. I hope many of you will go to that picnic in a couple of weeks on the 28th. Now, I don't know if Luke said this, but Kaylee told people to sign up for the volleyball tournament so they could kick Pastor John's butt. Now, I don't know if Luke said that. I was a little offended by that, but uh, we would love to get a handful of teams for that volleyball tournament. So again, on the 28th, we'd love to have you come and join us. The other environment for connection here at Alpine is our small groups. We have all types of small groups here. We have family groups. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We're even starting a student small group in the fall for junior high and senior high students. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. We've had small groups in the past here for grief. We've had small groups for recovery. I hope to launch those again in the fall, so if you're interested in being a part of that, let me know. But I, I really believe that small groups is where a lot of real transformation takes place. It's where you get to talk about what we talked about on Sunday applies to your personal situation, to the real things that you're dealing with. That's what I love about God's Word. We talked about this last week. It's useful. It comes in handy for the things that you're dealing with right now and being in a small group where you tend to be a little more transparent, you tend to be a little more honest about issues in your life is a great way to apply God's Word. You know, in a small group, you get the opportunity to encourage others and be encouraged. You get the opportunity to care for others and then others care for you. We're going to be doing a small group campaign in September, a six-week series where we're just really going to encourage each and every one of you Just try it for six weeks. Get plugged into a group, stick your toe in the water, and see what you think. Then there's one last environment, and that's individual mentoring. You know, as I was preparing for this message this week, I recognized I wouldn't even be in ministry without some key men who've poured into my life over the years. I think all the way back to my my seventh grade football coach, he coached me in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, was my Sunday school teacher for years, Coach Doyle. If he wouldn't have poured into me, who knows what I'd be doing right now. I think of guys like Steve Timmons. I think of guys like Rob Gunn in the back of the room. Jonathan Kaler, Chad Hewitt, Pastor Brian. These men who have poured into me and have blessed me by their wisdom and by their encouragement and by their prayers. Everyone needs somebody to pour into them. And then all of us should be pouring into someone else. Last thing I want to talk about on this point is identifying your gifts and using them for the benefit of the church. The Bible teaches that each and every one of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ have at least one spiritual gift. Most of us have more than that. But I can guarantee you, you have at least one, because that's what God's Word says. Those gifts aren't just for our own edification. Those gifts are for the benefit of the body. In fact, in 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says that each of you should use whatever, you, whatever gift you have received to faithfully serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. It always strikes me that that Peter says, you are a steward of the grace of God. In other words, this amazing grace that we sing about all the time in church, that God has lavished on us, we're not supposed to keep it for ourselves. We're just stewards of it. We're supposed to be sharing that gift with those around us, and one of the ways that we do that is by serving them, by using the talents and the gifts that God has given us. 
The church is described as a body, and we don't all make up the same part. And I know this is kind of corny, and I've said it before, but there are no appendixes in the body of Christ. It'll take you a minute to get that, but some of you will catch on in just a second. Every one of you is needed. For the body to function as healthy as it should, all of us need to play our role. Hebrews 10.5 says it like this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It doesn't say let us not neglect our meeting together because you need to be fed and nourished by the pastor. Now don't get me wrong, I, I hope that you are fed and nourished by the teaching here. That is one of my roles as your pastor. But one of the main reasons we're not to neglect meeting together is we're supposed to come together and encourage one another. We're supposed to be building one another up. How do we do that? We do that by praying for one another, by caring for one another, and by serving one another. So if you're a coffee drinker, were you encouraged when you took that first sip in the lobby? If you dropped kids off at kids' church, which we don't have right now at 1030, but if you've done that, were you encouraged that your kids had a safe place, that you knew they were hearing the Word of God? If you had to use the restroom here, were you encouraged that there was soap and toilet paper in the dispensers? Let me ask it this way. Would you have been discouraged if there wasn't? I bet you would have, right? All of that happened because other brothers and sisters in Christ are using their gifts to serve you. All of that's done by volunteers week after week after week. People who want to build up the body of Christ. And so I just would encourage you, if you call Alpine Church your home, now if you're just visiting if you're just checking us out still, you can ignore this. But if you, if you determine this is your home church and you're not on a serving team of some kind, I just want to challenge you to serve. And I'm not challenging you to serve because we need the help, although we do. I'm challenging you because God will bless that. God will do something powerful in your life when you honor him by serving others. Plus, it's a great way to get connected. So we have teams from our coffee team to our greeter team, from our sound team to our safety team, kids' church to our media team, you name it. We have plenty of ways to get connected. So if you're interested in learning more, fill out a little welcome card and just mark serving on it or swing by the welcome desk in the lobby and say, hey, I'd like to know more about getting connected and serving. That's going to bring us to our fourth discipline, which is giving. Giving should be periodic, proportionate, and a little bit painful. Give generously to your local church and to other Christian missionaries and organizations. And then lastly, grow in the grace of giving and work toward the benchmark of 10%. So giving should be periodic. Another way to say it is it should be consistent. It should be a regular habit that we develop just like all of these habits. Giving should be proportional. If God has blessed you more financially, you likely should give more to the kingdom. And lastly, it should be a, a little bit painful. If your giving never causes you to go without something or to go with less of something, then I would just ask God to help you search your heart. Are you being generous or are you being stingy? One of the things that I love that Pastor Jared does every year, you guys have heard Pastor Jared come up and teach, and he was our lead pastor at the Layton campus for 12 years. Now he's got a central role. But one of the things Jared does every year right before our missions week, is he and his family eat soup for dinner every night for like three weeks in a row. And then they take all the money they saved on their food budget and they give it to missions week. See, Jared gets it. He understands that our giving should be a little bit painful. Now, they're not fasting for three weeks. They're still eating. But that's definitely a little bit painful. I wouldn't want to eat soup every night for three weeks. 
But he understands it's about our heart, right? He understands that it's not so much the amount, it's the way we look at giving it. And the next point on that is to give generously to your local church and to other Christian missionaries and organizations. Now, I'm not asking you to give exclusively to Alpine. So just make sure you don't hear what I'm not saying. I do not think you should give exclusively to Alpine Church. There are other great organizations you can give to that are help advancing the kingdom. But if Alpine is your home church, I do think a healthy portion of your giving should be to Alpine because you're on mission with us. Alpine is doing stuff every single day to help meet physical and spiritual needs, not only here in Utah, but around the world. We've got six English-speaking campuses right now. We've got two Spanish-speaking campuses, and we have an online campus that every week are proclaiming the Word of God. And it's so cool to see the comments of people on that online campus because that audience is growing around the world. In addition to that, in our bylaws, it's written that at least 10% of our church budget goes outwardly to missions. So in this past year, we have supported missionaries in Bosnia, Portugal, Mexico, Haiti, Uganda, Ethiopia, and the United States. So when you give to Alpine, your giving is going so much further than just Cache Valley, Utah, which is really cool. The last part on that point is that I hope that we would grow in the grace of giving and work toward that benchmark of 10%. Here's a verse that really challenged me about eight years ago in the way they looked at giving. Paul is writing, he says, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. For as long as I can remember, I mean, ever since I started working, I faithfully gave 10%. As soon as a dollar would come into my house, 10% would go to the church. And I don't say that to brag, I say that to my shame because I got really selfish when I did that. It became just a box to check. It was just something that I did. And when other needs would arise and I knew that other people had a need, my attitude was like, don't look at me, I'm already giving my 10%. Pastor Brian did a sermon on this message about seven or eight years ago and it totally convicted me and changed the way I looked at giving. Because even though I had faithfully given all those years, I wasn't trying to excel at the gift of giving. I wasn't trying to get better at it. I wasn't seeking the Holy Spirit's leading in it. Again, I was just checking a box. Now, I do want to say that my personal conviction is I don't believe as a New Testament Christian that we are bound to a 10% tithe. Other pastors would disagree with that, and maybe they're right. I might be wrong. Just As I search Scripture, I don't think we're bound to a 10% tithe. But I do believe for most 21st century Americans, it's a good benchmark. Honestly, most of us could give more than that if we were willing for it to be a little bit painful. But it's not about the amount, guys. It's about your heart behind it. If you've never given at all, I encourage you, just give a little this year and see what God does with that. See how God works in your heart. If you gave 1%, try 2 If you gave 2%, try 3 It's not about the amount. It's about your heart behind it. But I would just encourage you to grow in that gift of giving. And that's going to hit us, lead us into our very last spiritual habit, which is mentoring. Jesus called it discipleship or disciple-making. And it's about personally helping someone else pursue God. This is the habit that most Christians have missed out on throughout history. And one of the reasons is most people don't know how to do it. And that's why we've created the resources at PursueGod.org. So let's just talk about that for just a little bit. Besides pursuing God for yourself, pursuing God for yourself is the best thing you can do with your time and energy. But the number two thing you can do is help somebody else pursue God. 
We talk about the Great Commission all the time here at Alpine, right? It's a verse hopefully you're all familiar with. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. I don't know why, but for some reason we've slipped into the mindset that this isn't for everyone. We somehow have told ourselves that this is a commandment that's only for certain people. That it's only for extroverts. Or it's only for people who have memorized entire books of the Bible. Or it's only for people who have this mind-blowing conversion experience. The reality is, it's for every single one of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. God has called us to go help the next person pursue God. He's called us to make disciples and to equip those people to then go out and make disciples themselves. See, one day I'm going to be accountable for whether or not I encouraged and equipped you to go help people pursue God. And I'm not just talking about being accountable to Alpine, although I am accountable to Alpine. Part of my annual review every year is looking at, did I encourage and equip our congregation to do the work of the ministry. But even more important than that, one day I'm going to stand before a holy God and he's going to ask me if I took his charge seriously to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So if there's anything that we can do to equip you, to empower you, to go help the next person pursue God, we want to do that. One more. There we go. Okay, last part of this is most people don't know how to do it. That's why the resources at PursueGod.org exist. Now, I recognize it can be intimidating. Like, I get it. I mean, I've been in vocational ministry for almost six years now, and it still can be intimidating for me. It can be awkward. It's messy. I mean, I'm in a couple mentoring relationships right now that I just tell you, they are messy. Like, they, they are heavy on my heart. That's just part of loving people. That's part of, of helping the next person pursue God. And using a resource like PursueGod.org doesn't take away all the messiness. It doesn't make it always easy, but it definitely helps to have a resource that I can go to. So right now I'm mentoring three different guys and two different married couples. In the last month, I've had conversations with them about salvation, about how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, about how to lovingly discipline their kids, about baptism, about the reliability of the Bible, about the Trinity, I've had pretty much every conversation you can imagine, and I'm blessed that I have a resource that has Bible-based content for each and every one of those conversations. I just simply use the search function. Boom, I pull up some of the videos that I want to have the conversations on, and I sit down with them, and I have those conversations. It's a huge help to me, and it'll be a huge help to you. Now, I don't use it exclusively. Sometimes I'll just take a book of the Bible and, and walk someone through that. Sometimes I'll, I'll use an outside book that a Christian author has written. I don't use it exclusively, but I use it a lot. And it's helpful to use something that's duplicatable. For some of you who have been in the disciple-making business for a long time, I want you to honestly ask yourself, how many of the people that you poured into have taken it to the next generation? I bet it's very few. Because if you don't teach them with something that's duplicatable, they won't do it. That's why having a resource like this is so helpful. That's why I'd encourage you, if you're going to be in town this Saturday, we're going to be doing that mentor training here at the church from 9 a.m. to about 11 a.m. Probably get done even a little earlier than that. It's two hours of your time where we will sit down and show you practically how to use these resources to go help the next person pursue God. I'd love to see you there. You know, I started out this message by saying that these disciplines are not only good for us, but they can bring us joy. 
Well, if we approach them with the wrong mindset, they won't. (laughs) If you approach these spiritual habits as something you have to do, as just a box to check, you won't get much joy out of them. But if you approach these spiritual habits as something I get to do, as an opportunity that God invites me in on to know Him more, to hear from Him, to be a part of His mission, to be a part of building the kingdom of God, to become more like Jesus, I promise you from experience they will bring joy into your life. They will lead to that rich and abundant life that God said He came to give us. So that's my prayer for us as we leave here today. Let's pray. God, I'm grateful that that you just tell us in your word that spiritual habits are good. In fact, they're even better than physical habits because they not only have benefits in this life, but in the life to come. And so, God, I pray that, that Alpine would be known as a church that works at developing these spiritual habits. The Lord God, we are, we are saved 100% by grace. We say that all the time. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation Thank you, Jesus, that it was all about you and nothing about us. But once we've come into that relationship with you, God, you give us ways, you give us disciplines, you give us habits to become more like Jesus, to be more useful to you and your kingdom, to help the next person come to know this amazing freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray that we'd be a church that's on mission I pray that we'd be a church that as we come together and meet in large groups and small groups and individually, that we would encourage one another, that we'd build each other up, that we'd pray for one another, that every now and then when we need it, we'd challenge one another in a loving way. God, we love you. We we thank you for all that you've done for us. And I just pray that you continue to transform us, continue to to make us individually look more like Jesus and as a church to look more and more like Jesus. And I lift all this up in his precious name. Amen.